This program is a production of Restoring the Core, an initiative designed to assist those wishing to go deeper into classic Christianity with resources available in a connected age, online at restoringthecore.com. This is Finding Hidden Treasure, episode 125. This episode concerns some thoughts about what is being called the Asbury Revival of 2023. Ten days ago, a chapel service started at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, here in the United States. Ten days later, as of the time that I'm recording this podcast episode, that service is still going on. I want to share my thoughts about this because I noted some historical parallels with what is happening at Asbury with at least one set of revivals that happened over 160 years ago. Back in 2007, I had the opportunity to write an article for the Evangelical Review of Theology concerning a series of revivals that swept the English-speaking world in the late 1850s and early 1860s. I think that looking at the history of those revivals can help give us some parallels regarding what is happening in Asbury now. First, let me tell you my initial thoughts about what is happening in Asbury. I have watched about four to five hours of the live stream from the Asbury service over the last few days. They weren't edited highlights. As I watched and observed, I did not see anything that stood out as being strange or dangerous. The demeanor of the students, as well as those in the worship teams and those who were speaking, was orderly. There was clearly enthusiasm in what was the ongoing worship. One should expect that from believers who are worshiping the one true God, their Lord, with love, focus, and intensity. What I did not see or hear were any of the excesses that were keynote features of several relatively well-known alleged revivals of the past, some of which have happened in the lifetimes of many of the listeners to this podcast. There were no so-called being drunk in the spirit incidences, there was no uncontrolled laughing, barking, or writhing on the ground. The respectful demeanor really was exemplified in the behavior of one young woman that I noticed in particular. She was kneeling at the front of the chapel by herself. Despite other people walking and talking around her in the background, she just kept quietly praying for at least the next 25 minutes. So far from what I saw and heard, I have every reason to think that a genuine work of God is happening. I do want to speak with caution. Trying to assess something like this requires discernment. This is especially true when there are others who seemingly want to give themselves credibility by riding on the coattails of this student-led revival service. I pray that the student leadership will continue to refuse to allow them a place of activity within this extended service. When I was doing research for this podcast episode, I was surprised to find Asbury University's own website lists a number of past revivals on their campus. I was aware of the one in February of 1970. However, that same webpage also cited revivals happening in 1905, 1908, 1921, 1950, 1958, the one in 1970, as well as in 1992 and 2006. Years ago, I saw a YouTube video which showed a clip from a news station carrying coverage of the revival of 1970. This was very unusual for this time in American history. Colleges then were known more for their protests and riots than for religious revivals. I stress optimistic caution about what is happening at Asbury at the time that I make this recording on Saturday, February 18, 2023. The passage of time will also be a valuable criteria in assessing what's going on at Asbury. How will the lives of the students reflect what they saw, heard, and experienced? Fruit, be it good or bad, takes time to grow and be discerned for what it is. Let me speak a little about the history of revivals in the English-speaking world of the 1850s and 60s. 
These started in the fall of 1857 in the cities of Hamilton and Toronto in Ontario, Canada. In New York City, what is known today as the Fulton Street Revival was the catalyst for a massive waves of revivals which spread across the United States within a matter of months. News of these soon spread across the Atlantic Ocean. Soon after, as news spread about what was happening in Canada and the United States, revivals broke out in Ireland, Wales, Scotland, England, South Africa, and Australia. The historical accounts show that there was a deep hunger revival in those lands. Australia had already had a number of revivals in the mid-1850s. There are written accounts of those who prayed ahead of time for a movement of God in their lands. I suspect that as time goes by, it will be better known who had already been praying for such a movement in their communities and nations. There are reports that similar revivals are now happening at Lee University, Cedarville University, and Samford University. One characteristic of the 1850s and 1860s revivals was their spread. It was the case in the 1850s and 1860s movements that those who witnessed what was going on in one location would bring the news back to their local churches. That news was not met with a, isn't that nice, and let's just move on. Those who received the news of the revivals in one place were moved to pray for the same kind of move of God in their place. This was particularly true when news of what was happening in the United States reached Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England. Those who longed for this in those lands prayed for and received what they were longing for. The elements of cooperation and criticism of the revivals back in the 1850s and 60s seem to have parallels in what's happening today at Asbury. In those mid-19th century revivals, there was a strong cooperation among those from different denominational backgrounds. I think that's a good pattern for how we should proceed in assessing what is happening at Asbury. Those back over 160 years ago did not abandon their denominational allegiances. They did seem to recognize that something transdenominational was happening. Methodists, Baptists, Anglicans, and others did not abandon their denominations. They did recognize that they needed to put aside secondary issues for what even the Bible calls points of first importance. For that, see 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3-8. through 8. There were voices of criticism in the 1850s and 60s revivals as well. In Ireland at that time, some of the Irish clerics challenged the legitimacy of the revival, referring to it as a delusion of Satan. One convert responded that it must be a new devil doing this, as the old devil wouldn't do anything like this. Another convert, Riley, observed, Certainly, it was not Satan who took me away from whiskey drinking. Please do not misunderstand what I am saying about discernment in regard to what's happening at Asbury now and other locations as well. We need to discern and do so properly. I agree with the summary of this compiled by the 16th century Protestant reformers. The Bible is our only incapable of failing authority for discerning not only Asbury, but everything in our lives. If you live long enough, you will run into a number of circumstances which will challenge your belief system. These might take the forms of illness, economic problems, disrupted relationships, death. I'm sure that lots of others could be added to this list as well. We have to make sure that what we believe to be true during and after these circumstances truly lines up with Scripture. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, we are instructed, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19-21, through 21, we are told, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. 
Let's be discerning about Asbury. Clearly, something has been happening there over the last 10 days. Discernment and wisdom will cause us to honestly ask, what is really happening there? Let's make sure that we make either our condemnation or commendation of what is happening in Asbury to line up with how Christians are called to think of each other. I hold to a Reformed Calvinistic theological point of view. I know that Asbury University is a Wesleyan Methodist institution. I have some theological differences with Wesleyan thought. They will return the favor as they will know that they have some differences with me. With all of the evidence that I have on this day, I do think that God is doing something special at Asbury. As important as our theological distinctives are, they must be no higher in our thinking than second place for a biblically-driven, Christ-seeking believer. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, we read, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, indeed, you failed to meet the test? I think that we can extend the principle of that in this discussion of events at Asbury. Let's examine our secondary and tertiary theological beliefs. Do they hold up to Scripture? If you truly think that they do, then hold on to them. If there are areas that are informed by other people's opinions, human customs, etc., I ask that you be humble enough to adjust your beliefs. If, and I stress if, your beliefs are not consistent with the Bible, please don't think that holding on to them for the sake of seeming consistency is a virtue. It's not. One last parallel between the Asbury Revival in 2023 with the historic revivals of the 1850s and 60s has to do with what I will call lingering. Those at the chapel service on the first day at Asbury somehow knew they needed to linger, to remain. I see this as an evidence that God was working in them. Keep in mind that these are university students. While a lot has changed since my university days in the late 1970s, the one thing that hasn't changed is the need to pack up from one class an event and get to the next one in the right amount of time. Despite that sense of, I need to be somewhere else in a few minutes, they stayed. In the Irish revival of the late 1850s, prayer meetings would often go on all night. It was noted that a minister in Ballymena recognized an irony. Once it had been difficult to get people into the church, the difficulty now had become getting them to leave. I'll be interested to see what happens in the weeks, months, and years ahead with those students who were part of what is happening today at Asbury. Time will test how genuine this movement has been. Will it be a spiritually emotional flash in the pan or something that will bear long-lasting fruit? The 1850s and 60s revivals had lasting fruit in the work of Andrew Murray, Dwight Moody, and William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Let's be patient. We live in such a fast-paced culture that sometimes, as the late actress Carrie Fisher once observed, instant gratification is not fast enough. The Lord Jesus' parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, could be applied to this in principle. It took time for the good wheat and the bad weeds to be recognizable for what they are. I think the same will hold true here. Lastly, I'd like to offer one more criteria that is actually the most important to apply to the Asbury Revival. Is God being glorified? I think that scripture makes it clear that not only is God being glorified our prime directive as human beings, it is also God's prime directive for himself. I'd like to end with the closing words of my article, Prayer Revivals in the Third Great Awakening. 
I will supply a link to a PDF of that article on the Restoring the Core webpage for this episode, episode 125. I will modify the wording here slightly to bring it up to date for today. The revivals of the Third Great Awakening, as well as other known revivals in church history, are more than items for mere historical or theological study. In the late 1850s, those who heard about the revivals did not respond with indifference. They desired that God would grant them the same blessing. As we read these accounts, may our attitudes toward this subject be more than merely historical or theological. He who was God in 1857 is also God in the year 2023. May we pray that in our time and our nations, God would visit us in revival as he did our ancestors in the faith of 166 years ago. The world has changed dramatically in those 166 years. The human need to know and relate to God in prayer has not. In the words of Psalm 85, verses 6 and 7, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Thank you for listening to this program. We can be contacted at mail at restoringthecore.com. We're on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash restoringthecore. You can also follow us on Twitter at RestoreTheCore. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us next time for Finding Hidden Treasure.